Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We are at it again. We are at the Unimpressed podcast because I'm very unimpressed about everything Always. and anything. And I'm unimpressed that Matt is not working with Annie Leibovitz already in his career. So Annie Leibovitz was a big-time photographer that I uh, had a pleasure of meeting years ago. She had some financial problems, and the guy I was working with at the time was a UBS banker, and he put a deal together and bailed her out and gave her some money. Wow. She was was somebody I looked up to when I first started out. What was unique about Annie Leibovitz that, uh, don't get me wrong, Matt is our in-house production guy. He's a a photographer, uh, entrepreneur. He's a videographer. And I found him when he was doing photos at a show in Fayetteville, North Carolina, we did with uh, Southern Mom and Them Tour. I just want to give you a little background before we go into this Annie Leibovitz story. What was... With all these things Matt done, we'll get into his career a little more. What was something that uh, uh, made you like an Annie Leibovitz? Was there something that was unique about her photos? Oh, yeah. Uh, what was recognizable? Just her portraits, like the way she her thought process was going into a uh, and going into a portrait, and her just visualizing everything, and it just made for some like iconic iconic photos and portraits, like very intimate portraits on people. You're saying intimate, like you noticed intimacy. There was like some sort of intimacy between her and her her portraiture. And how do you rec- how do you recognize that? Like what looks like compared to another photographer? Like what what makes a photographer stand out from your perspective? Being a photographer yourself, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of things. But going back to the anything real quick, I just something about her portraiture or whatever. Like there is some feeling that you could feel from those portraits, opposed to like. Starting out, I mean, I saw tons of photographers or whatever, and they're just like the most generic, just pose, like hand on hip type stuff like that. And it was really no no thought put into it, but like Annie's vision with backgrounds and lighting settings and stuff like that. And then getting your, your subject to kind of like be comfortable with themselves and then capture that through a photograph. So we're talking about uh, things that people look at uh, to notice a great photographer. Mm. And you were talking about Annie Leibovitz having intimacy with her subject. Mm-hmm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
We keep a lot of emotions bundled up inside in life, and sometimes we got to talk to people. I witnessed the benefits with my own two eyes. I have a close friend that was struggling with depression and felt like she had no one she could consistently talk to because of her busy schedule. She was matched with a therapist through BetterHelp. After several months of sessions, I've seen a tremendous change in her personality and in her life. If you're needing therapy and and want to get some of those things off your chest, it's entirely online and designed to conveniently work around your schedule and empower you to be the best version of yourself. Just fill out a questionnaire and they will align you with the right therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unimpressed today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash unimpressed. Um, when you're shooting something like that and you're trying to pull off intimacy, how do you make that happen? Just getting comfortable with your subject. I mean, everybody's, I mean, I'm the number one most self-conscious person from cameras. So this is like insane. But as far as like, I mean, I feel that that's the same way with a lot of people, like shooting photos of them. They kind of put this guard up and they kind of like, don't want to open up. They just want to be like perceived as a certain way or whatever. So it's really getting to know your subject and spending 30, 40 minutes, whatever, just talking getting to know their background and asking like, like kind of getting, get their guard down, whatever, but kind of always keep your camera on you. So they're like aware of it, but they're not, they're more focused on just like getting calm and relaxed. So when you go to shoot, it's not so serious. It's just kind of like, Take your subject out, whatever, and then catch those moments where they're like, like, genet- like actually laughing, like telling somebody to laugh, like opposed to like them actually laughing. Like you can tell the difference in a photograph, what's real and what's not. So you were saying you get better photos, you get better photos of someone when they're more relaxed around you. Hundred percent. I mean, I, that's what goes into a lot of a lot of photo shoots. With, I mean, that's my whole thing is just to capture their their real self. I think those are more long lasting. They mean more to the person because it's like, it's kind of letting, they're letting their guard down and they, it perceives that through a photograph and other people can feel that energy through it. Well, the first time, man, I met Matt, we had this show in Fayetteville, uh, North Carolina with Darren and he came and shot photos of the, of the show. And, uh, I don't know. I, I recognized it very quick. I thought these are great photos. I said, how the hell is this guy in Fayetteville, North Carolina shooting photos? Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, I was like, uh, let me follow up with this guy. Cause you don't, you don't find, especially when you shoot a photo, when it's natural lighting and being able to pull that off and get a great shot. That's, you know, I think that takes a talent yeah. to, to yeah. do that. So what is the deal about catching the right lighting and natural light when you shoot a photo and at, at a live event like that? I mean, they're being thrown in like different scenarios of not when you got to think on the spot and brainstorm and look around lighting scenario wise, like how am I going to be able to pull this off? Like if I don't have all this like bunch of equipment with me, like it's up to me to be able to work this out. But I mean, it's looking at your environment where lighting is coming from and all this other stuff. I didn't know I was going to meet you that night. Yeah. And I didn't know I was going to shoot that show. And then they had mentioned probably 20 minutes beforehand that you want me to shoot some photos of Darren and stuff like that. And I was like, I have no lighting equipment, no nothing. How am I going to pull this off and make it look look good? And I had this little little pop-up flash, whatever, and I just ran with that. And When you look at light, how do you visualize light? You know, you visualize light. So you're saying, I know what this little light will do. I know this lighting is good right here. If I go this angle or whatever, is that kind of like the adjustments to get a good shot? 
Yeah, for sure. And it's just the experience too. I mean, we're, I've worked for a magazine a long time and they never really gave me direction and stuff like that. And I kind of went into the magazine. I mean, I didn't really know much. And then, so it was like every assignment I went on to, it was like, it was a learning experience. And just from working there, I ended up meeting very, very fortunate to meet my best friend, Raul, or whatever. And then he kind of invited me in and showed me his whole studio set up and taught me so much. And along with other photographers like that, they, they kind of guided me in certain ways. But it was all through experience, like work for the magazine and not knowing what kind of scenario I was going to be put in and having to figure it out. I mean, at the end of the day, it was my job. And I was like, I need to figure out this complicated situation with terrible lighting or whatever else is going on. It was, it's a lot of, a lot of thought process that goes into it when you walk into a scenario. Like even the thing with Darren, it's like, I didn't know, I had never met Darren. I was like, and I know I'm probably gonna have maybe two minutes to meet him, whatever. And like, fortunately he's a funny comedian and he's real open and active and whatever. Like, but I didn't really have to have that time set apart to get to know him first for to capture at least something I thought was, because you didn't know the personality. You're coming in kind of cold. Yeah. Right. I get that coming in cold. But the great, the shots were still good, still Thank great. You. I think that's why you're here today. I mean, if if they were, they weren't worth a damn. Hell, I would never called you back. You I know? appreciate you did. <laughs> <laughs> and then one one thing led from there. I um, I think the first thing I did is was like, you want to go to Nashville? Yeah. And then I took you to Nashville, and you shot uh, Carol Ann and Gerard mm-hmm. as Zanies. And then one thing led to another, and here you are. Now you're living in my basement. Uh, I, I say my basement, but really it's a two-bedroom apartment yeah. studio yeah. that we've tricked out. It's a house and inside a house. It's a house inside a house, and it's got its own entrance and everything. So, And this is the Unimpressed podcast right here in the building. Yep. So talking about that, talking about uh, Youngstown, you're originally from Youngstown, Ohio. You came to North Carolina when? With uh, your parents, right? With yeah, your parents, yeah. sister, bro, yeah, older brother? Uh, the younger, younger brother. Younger brother. Yeah, they're both twins. That's right. They're both younger, but they're twins. That's yeah. right. Yeah, me and my brother are a lot alike. But yeah, I moved here. Um, I worked a bunch of jobs, whatever. We were in a town, Youngstown. Um, it wasn't the by far the way. It was kind of a poor, poor city, whatever. But yeah, there was just no job opportunity anywhere. And my mom was going to school at the time. My, I remember my mom and dad came down here, whatever, and had a, a job convention thing, whatever, looking for teaching jobs. And we were originally supposed to move to Wilmington, but we moved to Fayetteville. But that was the beginning of my senior year of high school. So, I mean, I was not the happiest person. I gave my parents a very hard time about it because I was like, you're moving me away from all my, my high school friends that I knew my whole life to something I've never experienced. And plus, I'm going to go through school not knowing anybody. It turned out to be the best decision they could have made for me. Like, looking back on it, as much of a hard time as I gave them, is I'm very fortunate to, to get out of my hometown and go to. It's cold as shit in Ohio, too. Oh, yeah. Cold yeah. as hell. I don't know if I don't live up there. It's not. It's a. I mean, I love Cleveland. Cleveland was pretty cool, but yeah, you could tell we were there when it wasn't that cold. But you could tell when it's in the dead winter. Oh, that's a different time. Like, it's, it's cold as shit. Cold. It's a different type of cold. Probably blessed you by getting you out of there. So you had to do all those winters. You probably look a lot older. Yeah, if you still lived up there, maybe. Maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe North Carolina keeps me young. Keeps you a little younger, <laughs> right? Man, looks like a twelve-year-old kid. I mean, he's you know stuck with it. Yeah. And I got the hair slicked back and everything else. Yep. Um, Going back to the snow real quick, that's how I made my money when I was like 13, 12, 13 years old. I used to take a snowblower down the road or whatever, walk out to people's doors, knock on the doors, be like, can I 
snow block your dri- like driveway or whatever and come home with like 50 bucks. But like as a 13 year old or 14 year old kid, like 50 bucks is a lot. That's pretty cool. How many, how many yards would you do at a time? It was like 10 or driveways, 10, 10, whatever, but I mowed grass and stuff like that. I was, my dad kind of taught me that though. Now, were you, did you have, did you, were you an artist in school? Did you have any artistic things that kind of shine through? I mean, art, um, class, art class was always my favorite, just like creating stuff and stuff like that. Yeah, that was always like one of my favorite things. I sucked at math. Math was my worst subject, but art was, art was always something I was always interested in. And did you, did that, when did that translate to photography? Or like, this is something that I like to do, is taking photos. When did that? When did that epiphany moment happen where you realized that, hey, I like shooting photos? Yeah. When I was super young, like 10, 11 years old, those little disposable cameras you would wind up or whatever. Yeah. I remember just doing kind of weird creative stuff with that. And um, I grew up skateboarding. So skateboarding was, I was like, this is a uh, reason to pick up a camera or whatever and shoot photos of my friends or not. Met a guy, whatever. He showed me these really cool, like, junkyard photos. He's, like, real rustic, kind of artsy photos and stuff like that. And I was like, why? Well, I, I could take photos of other things like that. And then I just wanted to meet people and whatnot and get to know them on a real personal, like, personal level. And that's what I enjoyed most about it. And I was like, I tr- I've moved the photography in with that and was able to kind of break people's guards down and, and meet a ton of people through it. And then you just you just kept doing it from there. It became like my main focus. Yeah, gotcha. Shooting photos now. What now? Now that you're shooting a lot of video with us, what are you? What are the differences? What are your different? Is there a different thought process, or is the same thought process shooting video with us now and, and do it, learning that craft, like being a DP and so forth? Yeah, I mean it's it's cool. I mean, from photography to video is is totally different. But yeah, just I mean the same thing as photography is just getting raw real reactions out of people instead of this uh, instead of just fake whatever they they know they're getting their guard down and let them be themselves very relatable stuff like just hey i'm here take the photo take the video um in, in those moments do shine through obviously through you know on camera whether it's video or or stills yeah they really do shine through were you 100% self-taught I wouldn't say a hundred percent self-taught. I was self-taught. I self-taught myself, myself a lot when I were. I was. I was a debt collector for eight years, or whatever. And one uh, one day at the bank, I just remember taping camera settings to the side of my monitor and just sitting at the bank, literally watching like photography tutorials, or whatever. And then I would get off of work, and then I would just watch tutorials and learn as much as I could because I knew one day I wanted to bounce out of it and I wanted to do this full time. From collections to photography, yeah. Yeah, being uh, self-taught. Being self-taught is is if if some kid was coming up today, yeah, and wanted to be a photographer and that was their passion, what would you what would you tell them? Um, just learn as much as you can. Don't consider. Don't be so defensive. Don't be so defensive and learn from people that are greater than you. I mean, that was that was my biggest thing and. I mean, I, I self-taught myself a lot of the knowledge part of it, but like I said, Raul took me under his wing, taught me a million things I would have never known in my life. And it's like, he has, a, he, the thing with him, he would approach photographers like that. He would want to want to teach or whatever. And they were like, well, no, 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 this is my thing. Whatever. I don't, don't step in my, people shoot outside his studio or whatever. And he'd walk out, 
be friendly or whatever. And they kind of just back off and be like, well, I'm allowed to shoot here. You know that, right? It's like, he's just trying to help. But a lot of people just have a defensive mentality where they don't want to learn from anybody else. They feel like it's their own little baby or something like that, but they don't want to learn from other people. That's how you grow. That's how you grow. And I met, I met Raul on uh, Catfish Cooley's music video shoot. Yeah. He thought I was a little crazy, but he, uh, he he's a good photographer too. He did a good job with your pictures. Yeah. And he he had a pretty interesting to be in Fayetteville because I was like, how the hell are these guys in Fayetteville, North Carolina? You know, it's like because I I was in New York for twelve years, just came to Charleston, South Carolina, and I saw tons of photographers. Yeah, you know, tons and tons and tons, and um, there's not a lot of great ones out there. Yeah. And then I see these two guys that work together that are great photographers in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Yeah. So there's like a diamond in the rough type thing, but he has an interesting. Somewhat of interesting um, story where he shot the Emmys. Is that correct? That's right. Head photography the Emmys. He had a little studio set up outside before they went all the paparazzi stuff like that. He's got a bunch of Emmy stories. Really? How many years did he do that? Or did he still we'll get picked to do it the one year? Um, I can't remember how many years off top. Yeah, a lot of times they'll they'll pick like a guy that they like for that year. Yeah. And then they bring in another creative the following year. Yeah. A lot of times they do it like that, you know, just to kind of switch it up, right? To get a different look, depending on who it was and so forth. Yeah, and his dad's kind of a legend too. He's got. Oh, a, really? Yeah. What's his dad? Uh, what's his dad? Who's his dad? He was a photographer, raw as well. Um, but yeah, he was. Um, he worked for the Miami Miami Herald for a long time, and he had shot this photo over overseas, and it was a little girl on the back of a bus. But you were not allowed to shoot there because the army was so strict. And he went ahead and shot the photo anyways and was held captive in the country and whatever. It's a phenomenal photo. But, yeah, one photo, press photo of the world, I think the world or something like that. Really? Yeah. Well, really? So he got some accolades for a photo for a newspaper. Yeah. Huh. Nice. Nice. Well, that's that's interesting. It must have been meant to be if y'all hooked up in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, because there's not, you know, there's not a lot, of, a lot going on in Fayetteville. Yeah. But aside from that, too, aside from Raul, there was two photojournalists, um, Andrew Kraft and Melissa Garrett, that worked for the Fayetteville Observer. And they're phenomenal photojournalists, like, as far as keep, like, capturing people's emotions and stuff like that. I saw photographers would see them out on shoots and stuff like that and feel intimidated, so they would never approach them or whatever. And I just, I, I admired their work, and I still admire their work. They're phenomenal people. Got to be friends with them or whatever, and I I could ask them for advice and they'd be happy to help. So when you got out of collections, you went to work for the city newspaper, mm-hmm. right? What's called city view a magazine called city view at the bank. Um, I was freelancing for them at the time. And I did that for about a year. I was working in a town, a city called Raleigh. So I was driving an hour to work hour back. And then I would freelance for the magazine until maybe nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, edit the photos, wake back up at four o'clock in the morning repeat the same thing over and over again. And it just got to the point where I was, I was tired of working at a bank, tired of working at a corporate job. And it was something I was not interested in. So yeah, I just made the decision. I walked out into a park one day and made the decision. I was like, I'm going to take this risk. I hope it works out or I had a lot of faith in it. And unlike old catfish cooler, he took a jump. You got to take a jump. You, You don't know till you try. Yeah. You know, you never know until you try. That's a big deal. The thing is, I just didn't want to. I think it was the right timing because I didn't want to just jump from a moving train to nothing. It's like I already had the freelance thing going on with the magazine. 
I felt like it was the right right time to do it. And then I stole him away. There I am. I stole him away from City View. Yep. I stole him away, and I think it's going to work out well. We've got a lot of good things going on. Um, I mean, it's kind of unique. To, yesterday, I was trying to get my daughter to do some photos. and She said it was too late in the day, but it's kind of unique to say, hey, Matt, you want to take some photos of my daughter, you know? And, yeah. And help her out because she's very photogenic and wants to model. And well, she did model for years, and now she's trying to want to get back into it. So that's pretty cool. So you're working for City View, mm-hmm. and then we're circling back to where I met you at the now that's they call it a Fayetteville Auditorium or uh, Crown, Crown Coliseum. Crown Coliseum. Yep. And now you have some stories there mm-hmm. uh, that are kind of interesting, and it kind of gives a, a paints a picture of. You know what may go on behind scene, behind the scenes at concerts and so forth. And you had one story with uh, J. Cole that you kind of maneuvered your way in mm-hmm. uh, to get some photos of some other guys too. Tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, the J. Cole story came throughout came through the magazine or whatever. The editor that Crown Coliseum had a hip photographer, and I don't know what happened to it, but the magazine hit me up last minute. It was like, "Are you interested in going to shoot J. Cole tonight? It's his homecoming show." Absolutely. I love music. I've always loved music. And I was like, this is my way into being a photographer at a big concert. And I was like, this is cool. Met the whole Crown Coliseum staff. And right before the show started, they were like, well, we need a, a group photo with J. Cole. And I was like, this is so this is something I've never experienced before. So this is, this is so like was surreal to me. And I'm looking around HBO's there or whatever. So I'm like realizing this is a big deal. So they take me back there, whatever. They were like, just don't ask J. Cole for his selfie or anything like that. I was like, I didn't care. End up shooting the photo of J. Cole, whatever. Didn't say a word to him. And then we went walking out, and I felt a tug on the back of my shirt. And I turned around. It was J. Cole. And he was like, hey, man, you didn't uh, you didn't speak to me. I was going to tell you, hey, and thanks for coming to shoot the photos. I was like, so, so humble. I was. And he's a, he's a Fayetteville, North Carolina guy. Mm-hmm. He's originally from, J. Cole is originally from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Did he ever? Do you know his story about how he got out of there as well? I know a little bit of it. I remember him. He left Fayetteville and went to New York and sat outside. I, I, don't quote me on it, but it was J Cole's studio, or not J Cole, Jay Z's studio, mm-hmm. and sat there for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I think he had finally met him or whatever. But then there was a long story after that. But they crossed paths and they connected or whatever, and they. Now he had some friends. He had some friends show up that night too, didn't he? I'm not sure. I'm not I'm sure. talking about other acts. When there's some other acts at, at, show. The, at the show. Yeah, at the show. Yeah, it was a surprise homecoming show because a lot of stuff doesn't come through Fayetteville. And Jay Cool snuck in Drake, um, Drake and Jay Z to the show. It was a surprise thing. So the lineup was already big. It was Jay Cool, Big Sean, YG, Jeremiah, all these like really big like hip hop artists. And, but nobody, like, I mean, for Fayetteville to get something like that is, is huge. But right towards the end of J. Cole's set, he was like, um, I got a surprise for you, whatever. And Drake comes out. The energy in that place was insane. Like, people were, it's just such a good energy. And I was like, I was standing there and I, I feel the energy from all this, whatever. And then Drake did his little thing, whatever, went off stage, and J. Cole did a little another song, and then they start playing um, one of Jay-Z, Jay-Z's songs, and out comes Jay-Z, whatever, and the whole, the, the energy was just out the roof, and it was just good vibes and good energy. How tall everybody. were those guys? Were they tall? Or short guys? J. Cole was pretty tall. I'm, I'm short. 
So everybody, oh, okay. everybody's, everybody's told me. Gotcha. How, how tall was Drake? Um, I just saw him sitting down in a, in a little room in the back, but. Oh, okay. And so, Jay Z? They were so far, like, secluded. Like, I just caught a glimpse. Like, I didn't. Because I've been bit. back in that damn hallway. You know where to, oh, you know where to be at the damn green room. That yeah, green yeah. room is small as hell. You yeah, just sit yeah. there. It's like a damn cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Huh. They probably had a bus or something outside. They probably chilled in or oh, whatever. Man. They had a, they flew, they, they flew them in to Fayetteville Airport, threw them in a, a Suburban or something like that. Suburban drove into the venue. They got back in the Suburban, went right back to the airport, flew out. I mean, it was all, it was a big deal. Nice. And then you had a story about our agency, um, ICM, represents this guy, Steve-O. You had a Steve-O story and that kind of a behind-the-scenes type of thing. You kind of tell us about how you, you didn't know if you are going to be able to take a picture Get a picture of him, but you've yeah. got the picture done. Um, Steve's story, whatever. I knew he was coming to town, and I took my brother to see the comedy show. He was doing a comedy show where you had to lock your phone up in these little cases so you couldn't record his act. And just my whole determination was like, I got to get a portrait of portrait of Steve because I've loved him since I was a child. I was like, just an intimate portrait or whatever. And I had e- uh, emailed his best friend, assistant, whatever his name is, Scott Randolph, and I was like photographer or whatever i realize you do videos and stuff too would it be possible i can set up like a portrait session with steve-o never responded or whatever and right after the show steve-o does a meet and greet every time met scott there too and asked him again he was like we'll see what happens we'll see what happens or whatever and it, it just through the meet and greet and everybody kind of died down it never happened i mean i was kind of kind of buzzing at the time too i mean me and my brother were kind of like partying that night and went back to the car and I sat there and I was like, I'm going to wait till everybody leaves and kind of figure out my way back in, grab the camera or whatever, and walk right past the security. I was standing there. I kind of pretend like I acted like I was supposed to be there and walk up and walk in the room. Steve was there. Scott's there. And his little dog, Wendy, Fountain Peru, was sitting there. And I, Steve was doing something and I didn't want to bother him. Hung out for about five minutes. And I was like, Steve he was like, what's going on? And I was like, do you mind if I shoot a quick portrait of you real quick or whatever? He had his dog in it, didn't he, or something? He had his dog in it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was super cool. And then waking up the next day, and he posted it, and he said, um, right before I took the photo, this lady said she was dying of cancer or something like that. And the only thing that gets her through that is Steve-O's comedy. And that was his whole timeline. So it was it was really cool that it had an impact on him on a personal level. Though, because of the story that he heard before I took the photo. So he did. Did he give you credit on the photo? He did. Yeah. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Hell, you should have more followers than you that you got now. Hell, he's got about damn ten million followers on Instagram, Don. Yeah, I can't figure this out. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. A couple other interesting stories. Was there any? I know you talked about meeting Charlie Daniels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did some photos with him, right, or yep. for him? I shot one of his meet and greets and. Uh-huh. Kind of the same thing as Jay Cool, whatever. I didn't, didn't bother him, didn't talk to him or whatever. Same thing, turned around, walked away, whatever. And he called me back over and he was like, Well, you're the photographer or whatever. Let me sign you one of my photos or whatever. And I was like, Cool. And ended up sitting down with him and talking to him for a minute, like a few minutes. And um, yeah, he's a great guy. I mean, he, you asked me who inspired me as an act. I don't get, I'm unimpressed, as you can tell on the Unimpressed podcast. But yeah. that's one guy when we did this uh, benefit concert in alabama uh at this college with with alabama i think it was the last or 50th 
reunion, 50-year reunion tour, right? They had, it was Alabama, it was uh, Charlie Daniels, uh, Riley Green, Jamie Johnson. Nice. Uh, there was a bunch of acts. Then Darren did a set there, and there were a bunch of acts. But when Charlie Daniels, he was in his 80s uh, at the time, as a couple years ago, and he recently passed away. But I've never seen an 80-year-old guy go off like that. I mean, he was directing court with Alabama on stage, breaking bows wow. and killing it. And uh, I still have the footage, but that was uh, something that very impressed me. I got cold chills. I filmed him with my phone because I never respond that way, but that was, yeah. a, that was a big deal. He was a cool guy. Another thing is when we walked up to him, Charlie, can we get a picture with you? He's, yeah. So we took the picture or whatever, and we're like, hey, we'll leave you alone. You know, He's like, I ain't doing nothing. Y'all sit down. And hell, we sat there with him for about 30 or 40 minutes and just chilled and watched the concert together. And great guy. Super humble. Those are some cool stories. I wanted to talk about uh, your second passion. I know you touched on it earlier. Your second passion of skating. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that and what, what that does for you. Is that an escape? Is that fun? Is that just something you love to do? I know you knew some guys I'd worked with in the past, like uh, Ryan Sheckler and Couple of those guys. Never met Ryan Sheckler. Yeah, I started skateboarding when I was 13, 14 years old. I don't always stuck, kind of stuck with me, or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's kind of like a mental escape. It's kind of like a Zen type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like from the general public, they look at it as like an action sport or whatever. And it's like, for me, it's just, it's always been just kind of, you kind of clear your head and it's just like a, a Zen where you're not really thinking about anything. Now, you found a couple uh, places down here in Charleston that uh, you go to. Yeah. Where is that at? A place called uh, Skate Charleston is uh, one of my favorite parks. Okay, Skate Charleston. And they have one down here under the Ravenel Bridge? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all very graffitied up under under bridge, made by all skateboarders themselves. So they design these concrete ramps or whatever, and it's, it's all decked out in awesome graffiti art. Like, and what's the name of that one? Uh, so it's called The Bridge Spot. The Bridge Spot. Yeah. The Bridge Spot for skating. Yeah. So The Bridge Spot and the other one in Charleston is... Uh, Skate Charleston. Skate Charleston. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, it's good that they have that here for you. So if they didn't have a skate park, it might be a problem. Maybe you couldn't live here. Do they have a skate park in Fayetteville? They had one. They had uh, they had the biggest park on the East Coast. That was one of my first jobs when I moved to, to Fayetteville, whatever. And I just remember it was, it was a row, like, skating around and bumping into the people I'd watched on videos for five, ten years or whatever. I, was, I remember talking to Catfish the other day, and I was I was – Trying to convince him to tell you to build a half pipe in the backyard, but nice. We could maybe we could build one over here at this park. Yeah, you know that is a designated park, but right beside our house, and there will be no houses built there. Maybe I can get the contractors to do that. Hell, you never know. I mean, it might be a good a good thing. This would be the Bang Productions community. There's only eight houses in this community, so it's, yeah. it's kind of cool. Uh, well, there's only what there's five in here now. They got to build three more, mm. uh, and then the neighborhood will be finished. What is your be all end all? What's your what's your goals and you know what what's your ultimate? You know what do you you know working with us? What is what do you want to achieve in life? Question. I mean, just continue to be happy doing what I do and go live by live day by day, or whatever, and go with the flow. And if I really want something, like I focus my, all my energy into making it happen. I mean, Steve-O, the Stevo thing was perfect like perfect example. Like I was determined to get it. Reached out to the resources. Resources told me no. Um, I mean, that, that happened a long time ago, too, with another story. But, yeah, just staying determined and staying focused. 
it's a numbers game, right? If you're a great, and this is for people out there, if you're a great talent, if you're a great talent, the more doors you knock on, the more will open, you know, and then hopefully you find that right door, you know. Um, is there anything like professionally you'd want to do yourself creatively? Is there any, like, I know you talked about a short film the other day. And you had an idea about that. Is there anything that uh, you'd like to put out there you haven't done yet? Continue to learn the video aspect. Um the whole production thing as much as I can. I mean, we talked about this last night. You can never stop learning. I mean, if, if you if you have that mentality, then you're just going to. What's the point? Yeah. What's the point. If you want to be the best, as best, then learn as much as you can. And well, that's what this is what I was telling you is like I didn't learn how to edit until 2014. And the reason I started editing after I had all this experience in production, been partners with Nick Cassavetes, and yeah. you know, did the Red Bull thing. I used to get aggravated when we we did music videos. It started, I would get aggravated because I had to hire 50 people yeah. to do a music video when music videos had decent budgets. I mean, they were decent $50,000 budget to do a 35-millimeter shoot, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day when they shot film. But I would get pissed off because of the time it took people to do things and the quality I was getting back. And I got so pissed off, I taught myself how to do every job on a production. Yeah. And editing was one of the last things that I did. And, and I was late in the game. And I said, you know what? Because I got tired of waiting on editors. Because they, they're pre- a lot of editors are prima donnas. Mm. And they take for fucking ever to finish anything. And I we were doing the Food, food Hero Mimi Cosma. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start editing this shit myself. Yeah. And it was not great when I started. How much? How much bad feedback did you get on your first couple? Of oh, they, you know, all the guys, you know, would kid me. Oh, John's a great editor. Look at this. You, you know? don't want to hear that. Yeah, I, I've always loved the bad feedback over the good feedback. Yeah, that's always my main thing. If it's bad feedback, then dissect it. I mean, if it makes sense, then okay, yeah, I can improve on it. The moral to the story is: if you want to get something done in life. And you think you can do it yourself, you can do it yourself. Yeah. And you can learn something new every day. You know, and, and I think because I uh, because I taught myself those how to do all these things, it helped me build bang where it is today with with not a lot of overhead. Yeah. Because if I didn't have that experience, I could never have got bang to this point today. Yeah. You know, that's a big deal. Yeah. I think learning yourself too is I mean it's People think it's so hard to learn yourself, but there's so many resources out nowadays. YouTube, whatever, there's multiple channels, Creative Live. Like, has, they'll, they'll literally teach you anything. They'll teach you anything you want to learn and just surrounding yourself with people that are, are more knowledgeable in certain subjects. But yeah, photography took you on the road with a few artists. Mm-hmm. And you have a certain style, kind of a, a certain tone, color. Uh, and these artists that you were on the road with have very similar look and style. Tell, tell us a little bit about some of those artists you went on the road with. Yeah, well, the backstory about that was like the J. Cool thing was eye opening to me and made it realize this I can actually do this for a living. And just wanted to shoot as many shows that I could. And I was just continually reach out to artists that I looked up to. And um, yeah, I just, it was an access way in since I can't play any instruments. Um, so and it was also a way to meet these artists on a on a very personal level where they become friends or whatever. And later down the road, I met a buddy of mine. His name's Johnny. He um, started tour manager for a bunch of bands, and he brought me along on on a couple of different rock tours or whatever. 
and just being around that environment. It was such a positive environment and it was like kind of me, it was kind of it was still surreal in a way, but it was still an experience that I was like kind of just soaking in. The first one we did was a band called Saliva, Puddle of Mud, um, this other band called Tantric. After that, we did a, did a run with New Year's Day, um, In This Moment, Motionless White, a bunch of uh, rock bands. Through this other venue I used to shoot for, Yellow Wolf toured through. My buddy Johnny was, was working there at the time. Met his buddy named Edward Crow, uh, was Yellow Wolf's best friend. And Johnny talked me up or whatever, and I ended up meeting Edward, and he took me on a couple of Yellow Wolf shows or whatever. And just being on stage with him and like, yeah, you and Yellow Wolf have a similar similar tone, similar look. I, mean, I don't say when I say look, I'm talking about how they present their craft. Yeah, um, is very, 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 very similar. Uh, I would say. I just respect him a lot because of doing the whole record label thing, whatever, and doing all that, and then starting his old thing, the whole American crew thing, and people believing it and. He has all these real, genuine, authentic fans that would kill for it. Like, I mean, they, they follow him tooth and nail, right? But that's something he created himself. And his first couple shows, he was brought on He was brought on stage. He would have a violin player or whatever, and the crowd would boo him and, and completely hate him because they just didn't get it. It was something so new, and so, but it was like something he created. It was a part of him, and... Nice, yeah, and a little, there's a little story there how how small of a world this is. I met Yellow Wolf in 2016 because Yellow Wolf's mother, right, and Darren Knight, Southern Mama's mother, grew up side by side in or lived side by side in Southside Alabama. So Yellow Wolf is an Alabama boy, yeah. and uh, we're gonna get probably get Yellow Wolf here on this podcast at some point. I know we're doing to do his mother. His mother's going to do Darren's podcast, and we'll probably get him to do Darren's podcast as well. But I, he would have to do before I get him here. He's going to have to do Darren's first because yeah. he's Darren's boy, and Yellow Wolf considers him family and so forth. So right. he's a very nice guy. Well, I think we covered everything. I think we wanted to bring Matt on, talk about photography, and and have you know some you know put some information out there in the community about how to be a photographer, knowing a photographer's story, because it is an art, it is a craft. And is there anything you want to close with today, Matt? I'm just happy to be here and happy you brought me along. And I feel like this is a whole new type of reality where it's just like creativity is endless. Like, let's go. Yeah, let's do this. And and if you're looking for Matt, his, his uh, address on Instagram is Matthew Wonderly, at Matthew Wonderly. You want to check him out, check out his photography, check out what he does for us. And he also has information up on the bangproductionstv.com website. Uh, my name is John Edmonds Cosma. I'm the CEO of Bang Productions. Thank you for listening and watching the Unimpressed Podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.